is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Welcome back, everybody. FUVFC has returned for another week. We survived week one, and here we are coming again. This is FUVFC, WFUV Sports Soccer Podcast. It is wonderful to be with you. As always, we're recording this at just a little after 10 o'clock on Friday morning, July the 2nd. And it's wonderful to be with you as always. My name is Dylan Balsamo. I'm joined by my friends, Keenan Troy and Danny Perry. Keenan, how was your week? It was good, Dylan. Um, got the round of 16 through in the Euros. A couple upsets that I know we're going to get into. Um, some U.S. women's national team coming out with the Olympic Committee, expanding rosters for the upcoming games, which is always exciting to see what it's going to be done there, a little more flexibility in terms of which women can play now and how much we can expect from them. And then Copa America tonight getting into the uh, quarterfinal stage. So soccer happening all around. And then, of course, some transfer news, too. So the game really never does sleep and seemingly nor do we. It is an incredibly exciting time for soccer. It is probably the most exciting July soccer has ever seen, for my money, at least. Of course, also Danny Perry's here. How's it going, Danny? It's going down, and I think you just hit it um, on the head. It is the most exciting month of soccer. I could remember coming out of a pandemic and just having the world's greatest sport being played in, and at top level. Um, so many upsets, like Keenan said, it was shocking to watch soccer the last week. And today I'm just excited to see the quarters, quarters going away um, for, the, for the Euros and Copa. And it's just, it's just going to be an exciting, exciting podcast here with you both today. Absolutely going to be an exciting podcast. Let's get right into it. Of course, Euro 2020, with a one in parentheses, is still going on at the moment. We are about to start the quarterfinals. On the day we record this, uh, as we speak, we are less than two hours away from the start of the first game, Switzerland and Spain. Belgium and Italy also kicking off at 3 p.m. today. Tomorrow, Saturday, July the 3rd, Czech Republic and Denmark, uh, and Ukraine and England. And, of course, each of the winners of the individual day will play each other in the semifinals. But those are not until Tuesday, so don't worry about those yet. But, guys, l- let's talk about these quarterfinals. Keenan, I, I want your thoughts first. These are, these are eight teams that, that really impressed here. You know, England really made headlines. I- Italy impressed, of course. Switzerland was, was a team that was in the headlines. Who are you liking in these quarterfinals? Well, I think first we would be – Foolish not to bring up Switzerland knocking out the defending World Cup champs, France, in penalties. Um, you know, that game was end-to-end. We see one nothing Switzerland. People are like, okay, France, you know, it's a good team. They're going to bounce back. 
Maxi Rodriguez misses a penalty for Switzerland. And at that point you're thinking, okay, the French might just run away with it. And then they go through one up and you're thinking the Swiss are done. And then, you know, get one late in the 70th minute. And then you get one in uh, stoppage time in the 90 and then go to extra time, pretty much a stalemate there. Switzerland just parking the bus, France playing because they don't want to go to pens. They go to pens. The world's, you know, brightest talent in Mbappe misses a penalty to win it. Summer celebrates Swiss fans are shirtless going crazy. So I think that game for Switzerland, I could see that team going to the semifinals solely because of that momentum that they are riding. It reminds me a lot of that Costa Rica team in the 2014 world cup where you're an underdog, you're playing against heavy favorites and you just start to click as a unit. And that's a big thing that I think we're seeing, you know, with that Swiss team, but also in that Ukraine team that beat Sweden with that 90th plus winner a couple days back that, Though teams can be super talented, oftentimes it comes down to what teams can look to one another and play the same style consistently and have no problem parking the bus and going on the counter and trying to attack and then can be deadly around the box, which to Switzerland's credit, they were. And they proved that throughout the fine, uh, throughout this Euro tournament that given the opportunities, they have players like in Xhaka and Shakiri that around the 18, they're able to pick the right pass, go to goal, et cetera. So I think that game against Spain, I think Spain's got a lot more to prove than Switzerland. I think Spain has to prove that they're still a European power and still a giant to be dealt with, um, where Switzerland's trying to ride this momentum. And then I think the other game we're going to be looking at today, too, between Belgium and, and Italy, I think it's really Italy's proving grounds as to if they're fully back as, you know, that team that everyone was watching out for in the 2000s. Um, you know, missing the World Cup in 2018 was a big question as to how the Italian national team is going to move forward. And thus far in the European Championships, they've been absolutely dominant. Haven't really been playing the strongest of competition. Had probably one of the more weaker groups as you're looking at these bigger um, national programs. But now they play Belgium, who were World Cup contenders in 2018, um, losing to that French team, which is now out of the Euros. Um, and I think here we're just going to see I would say a stalemate. I wouldn't be surprised if this was 2-1 just because both teams are so defensive-minded and are drilled so heavily defensively that I don't see either team really going to be able to break through until the second half and we see some adjustments coming off the bench. But I like today, I like the Swiss, and I also like the Italians. I know I said Belgium. I thought I know last week I took them as my winner of the tournament, but you know, you just got to love the Italians and you just want to see more emotional soccer. And I want to see that anthem screened out a couple more times this summer. I couldn't actually agree more with most of what Keenan just said. You know, there was just so many goals. I just, that's all I think about this last week is goals, 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 and, and shockingly crazy games. It was bonkers. That's the best way I could describe what happened, especially when you had France and Switzerland face off. I was watching that game and I was mind blown. France, number one, but that's their issue is that when you have a number one young team is that they don't know what it is like to lose big games. And I think personally with Mbappe missing that PK, it is going to actually make the French team better and they're going to learn from this and grow. They don't know what that is. And that, that just might be their pinnacle moment is for them to grow from this. I think Switzerland earned that game. They, they actually stunned not just France, but I think every fan in the world. 
I don't see them winning their next game though. You're asking for a Cinderella story to happen twice in a row. Anything's possible. And that, that's the truth about soccer. It is anyone's game. But I think Spain's going to take that. I think Switzerland just played their final. Again, going towards Belgium and Italy, I was not impressed with how Italy played their last game. I was very disappointed. I picked them. I said they're great. Defense wins championships. They, they were hard for me to watch. I think they need to go back to that defensive mindset. The winner of that game is whoever scores the first goal, whoever works collectively. So Keenan said, you know, it's, it's whoever plays this team sport. I don't mean to misquote you, but it was, it was along those lines. Who can collectively play as a team and win? And it's going to come down to that. I'm going to have to agree with both of you on this. I think the, the main point that we need to grab from this is that Spain and Italy both find themselves in very similar positions right now as two dominant teams from the early 2000s, beginning of the 2010s. They were kind of the powerhouses of, of, of the world, the 20, 2006 and the 2010 World Cup winners, not to mention the last four World Cup winners have all been from Europe. So this has been a, this has been a powerful tournament that kind of, kind of gives us an idea of who's going to be leading the soccer world internationally for a couple of years to come. That's just kind of how it has been. But Spain and Italy both find themselves in a place of playing a team that is coming off a very impressive win and probably still has a chip on their shoulder as something to prove, trying to prove that that win was not a fluke. And Spain and Italy both have to prove that they're still involved in this somehow, mm -hmm. that they still have a, a shot at this, that they are still the teams that we know them to be, that specifically people, you know, the three of our age, always have known them to be so that's going to be a real question for them I mean you look at a team specifically Belgium and it's such an impressive win over Portugal who you know of course in quotes four years ago uh found themselves in the in in the finals mm -hmm. so you know this is this is going to be huge for Italy and to be honest with you I don't know if they have what it takes here I, I really don't they just were not in they were not impressive in that first game and, and Belgium's going to be coming in with they're not going to be coming in with their tails between their legs they're really not this is going to be a game they're going to fight for so that's going to be in, incredibly interesting um I don't think Switzerland has as much of a fight against Spain um I I just think I think just Spain's going to come through there it's just going to be tough for Switzerland that's at least this is all at least just what I think, of course. Belgium is banged up, and that is the only edge if Italy has one to, mm -hmm. to win this game. I see it being very close, as Keenan said, 2-1. I think it's going to go to overtime. Mm -hmm. I think it might even go to penalty kicks. It's going to be a very close game. But if it's not like that, it's due to the fact that Belgium, in, in lesser terms, they're old and they're banged up right now. They're going to be missing Rune and Hazard. They're most likely going to be out of this game from the latest report that I saw. They only beat Portugal by one goal. Don't get me wrong. Italy usually isn't a team that scores a lot of goals. And, and when they do try to do that, that's where they lose their focus and that defensive mentality. They're not Brazil, and that's what they need to remember. And if they stick to their game plan, they score first, they're going to take control of this game. Again, banged up. That is what, you know, Belgium is right now. They, they lost their creative players. So I, I see this being a very, very close game. I think it is a game to watch, to be honest. This is... This is going to see, is Italy what we all think they are to be? I will say, if history ever plays a role in sports, 22 meetings with Italy, Belgium has only won four of those matches. So Italy has this historic streak with this team. So if history and injuries have anything to do with this game, 
it would be in Italy's favor. And I do just want to say one thing, odds have changed after the round of 16. You no longer have France on number, number one. You don't even have Italy number two. It's England, Spain, Italy. These games are crucial games, we're going to say. Understood. And we will see if uh, Belgium has the grit and the momentum to overcome any kind of disadvantage they would have in terms of players being out in that game. But we are yet to discuss the other two games going on in these quarterfinals. They will be taking place tomorrow as we record this. Hopefully tomorrow as you listen to this, if we can get out, get this podcast out at a reasonable time. We'll see about that. It's the Czech Republic and Denmark at noon, like we mentioned earlier, and Ukraine and England at three o'clock, same times for today. Uh, Daniel, I'll start with you here. Who are you liking in these games? You know, it's, it's hard for me to, to pick. I'm going to have to go with Denmark for, for that game. You know, they became the first team in European Championship history to score four-plus goals in consecutive games in competition. Goals make you win games. They're strong. Uh, it would be really hard for me to see the Czech Republic come out with a win here. I don't think we're going to look for the games like we're seeing today where it's going to be close. I actually think... Denmark might just, you know, go away with it. And then I have to take England against Ukraine. They just only lost one of their seven meetings with Ukraine. England and Ukraine, they've met in major tournaments only once before. With the uh, with England winning one nothing in group stages in the year 2012. That was with Bruni scoring a, you know, a great goal. It, it's going to come down to England. What do you think, Keenan? For that England-Ukraine game, you're going to see a drastic switch in tactics that we saw versus England versus Germany, where South Garrett Southgate, manager of England, essentially set out six defenders against Germany and said, try as you might, you're, we're not going to concede, or if we concede, you're going to have to go through hell and back. A strategy that I would say kind of historically rivals that of World War II uh, with Churchill, almost <laughs> of Southgate saying, come on, Germans keep coming at our shores and we'll keep pushing you back until we can't do it anymore. Um, so I think tactically we saw in Southgate there that he's willing to do whatever it takes to win and he's willing to play sloppy soccer, but now going to into a game against Ukraine where you're the heavy favorites and you might be the heavy favorites for this tournament. I think you're going to see a little bit different style of play coming from that English national team. It's not going to be so much clear and then, you know, and towards the later stages of the game, try and create, which is when we saw them score two goals from Sterling and Kane. I think that you're going to see them come out with a heavily potent lineup, maybe get Phil Foden in the mix, probably Sancho um, coming off the bench, maybe sit soccer, keep Kane up top. So I think they're going to have a lot more flexibility with how they line up against Ukraine. And I think that's going to be reflected in their attitude towards this game, which is, they're probably looking at their half of the bracket now with the Dutch out losing that game to the uh, Czech Republic after, in my opinion, a tough handball call on um, De Jong, but granted, or he kind of was in the wrong and, you know, it was a handball, but I think it was involuntary. Maybe the yellow would have sufficed. That's my opinion. What is dead is dead. And we're not devolving into another argument like last week, but I think they're looking at their half of the turn, their half of the bracket and saying, okay, there's no reason why we shouldn't be in the final playing whoever comes out of the other side. So I think that Southgate's going to line them up tomorrow, looking to strike first against Ukraine and get up to maybe a two nothing lead going into the break. And at that point he can start to maybe load manage some of his players and maybe give Harry Kane a long needed rest, maybe give some guys in the back, some more reps, maybe rotate out McGuire, see what he can do there to make sure that they're ready going forward. Because realistically, if you're England, you're looking at your half of the bracket, you're saying, okay, we're going to face a Belgium and Italy or a Spain ideally in the final. And then for that Denmark versus Czech Republic game, I think the Czech played really well. 
against uh, the Dutch. I think the Dutch should have gone up early and, you know, the Czech Republic defense looked kind of suspect at first, but as soon as that red card happens, the game entirely changes. Um, the Dutch are playing on their heels, Czech Republic creating chances, scoring off a set piece, and then bearing them with a second late into the 80th minute. And then, you know, getting through there and then Denmark with an emphatic win over Wales, um, putting four past them. I like Denmark in that game too, Danny. Um, I think talent wise, they're a lot better. I think as a unit, they're a lot better than the Czech. There's more experience within that back four and with Schmeichel with over 50 caps for his national team. So I think the Danes are the favorite and then obviously England versus Ukraine. I don't, I think that, you know, I, in an ideal world, if you're an English supporter, you go up early on Ukraine, but I don't think Ukraine goes down without a fight. I think they go down two, maybe score one and then kind of put the press on. And that's when it becomes susceptible for pacey guys coming off the bench, maybe a Rashford um, if he doesn't get the nod on Saturday. So I think definitely you're looking at probably Denmark and England getting through, but I don't think that English game is going to be, you know, Ukraine rolling over after a big win against Sweden. I think that they're definitely going to come out with a little more than we expect. And um, I think that it will be a little bit closer than, you know, maybe everyone at Sky Sports is hoping for. Ukraine's only scored three goals against England in their last seven matches. So that's something to keep an eye out for. If they score a goal, there might be a little more extra momentum that they have today because that would be a, a shift from their usual against England who plays them very well. England, I believe they're going to win as you do. They can't jump to who they're going to verse in the final. They will still have most likely a very heavy match against who we both predict Denmark to win against Czech Republic. That game is, you know, that that's right before the final. They have to get through that game before they could think of whether it's going to be Italy or Spain or Switzerland or Belgium, whoever it is. You know, Keenan, to your point, last week we had incredible ratings. So you guys can have an argument. Whatever <laughs> it is that you want to, I'm all for it. Truly all for it. All right, but, you know, um, I'm also going to take Denmark in that game um, against uh, the Czech Republic tomorrow. Um, that was a really impressive win against Wales. And, you know, Wales always tends to be a little more of a competitive team than we tend to give them credit for. So, um, you know, I was rather impressed by that game. I just, I just, I agree. They might actually roll over the Czech Republic tomorrow, but we'll see about that. Well, rooting for the Czech Republic to get, me keep that a competitive game and i'm also going to take england and ukraine so i wish we had some disagreement here make things more entertaining but it looks like we're all kind of in agreement here the czech republic have and denmark you know the czechs won both previous games euro 2000 and 2004 against uh -huh. each other in the euro so there's some i keep going to history today there's some history that might have but all of us you know with our pick wrong here so let's say we we will certainly see you know but uh, with England here, you know, w we talk about momentum and it's always an important thing, not only in an international tournament, but late in a tournament. And I don't honestly say that goes for any sport, but soccer is a sport where we see it quite often. Uh, and, you know, England really had, had the grip, they, as they tend to do when they're in the national spotlight, they have the, they have the grips of the whole world watching um, just by the nature of, of, of the country and who they are. Uh, so I think England's going to be able to ride that at least to the semifinals. We'll see how far they can take that. Not to mention that the semifinals, the finals are going to be in London. So we'll see about that. Uh, I also think, you know, to, to Keenan's point from earlier about uh, the changing of strategy, I think this is an England team that is dynamic enough to be able to change strategy and still be able to work just fine with it. 
so um, any any worries, and I'm not, I don't even think Keenan mentioned it as a, as a worry, but anyone who's worried that they're going to have to readjust the way they play for this new game, um, I don't see that being a problem with them. But Danny seems like she might disagree with me. You know what? It's it's that that old saying: "Don't fix what's not broken." Yeah. I, I I'm strong with that. It's you know, if I have a team that's on a, a good winning streak, they're playing strong. Why am I changing it? Now I get it. You want to play to your opponent. I'm not you know a fool to that. But I'm going out similar and knowing that they've always had an issue scoring on my team and I'm just going to go out and play my game. I'm going to focus on my game. They should be worried about my game. I shouldn't be worried about changing for them. They're supposed to, I hate to say they're supposed to lose. You never want to think that as a player, but in reality, odds have England winning. So I don't know. I really don't know if I would change it. Keenan, you know, I, I really respect his opinion and maybe they do. But for me personally, if I'm the coach, I'm not fixing something that's not broken. Just really quick, Dylan, I think don't change what's not broken. Well, if you look at their lineup for against Germany, fundamentally they changed exactly how they lined up versus every game of the group stage. So, But, yeah, to, I think that, you know, I don't think they changed the way they play. I think they still play heavy possession in the midfield and get creative. I just think that the players in which they use, you know, you'll see the likes of a Foden come off the bench instead of a deck or – Foden come into the starting 11 and maybe Declan Rice, who's a better center defensive mid, gets started. And I think that just creates a little more creativity going forward. But yeah, I don't think Southgate's going out and saying, all right, team press, we're just going to be at their throats the whole game. I don't think he's doing anything crazy like that. I just think that his starting 11 is going to reflect more of a willingness to go forward rather than, rather than let the Germans come at them and then make adjustments down the road. I think his adjustments will be from the kickoff versus then from like the 70th going forward. It does seem to eventually be about tiny adjustments, but let's let's talk further ahead now because no matter who wins these games uh, today and tomorrow, there's still two rounds left. So let's take a look at this. Obviously, the, the winners from Friday's games, Belgium and Italy and Switzerland, Spain will play each other. And then the winners of Saturday's games, Ukraine, England and Czech Republic, Denmark will play each other. That is Tuesday and Wednesday, respectively. And then they will meet next Sunday. So a week from this Sunday in the Euro final, it's at 3 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, on ESPN for those interested. Now, um, Keenan, I'll come to you first. Uh, a week has passed since we last did this. Who's your favorite in the tournament right now with the way it's been formatted? I think it's, last week was Belgium. And I said when I was giving my preview that I didn't like them against Italy. I think that though you guys were saying Italy didn't play as potent as they did, they don't ask you how, they ask you how many. And a win is a win in my opinion. And so when you play heavily in the, you play strong in the back, um, you're still always going to be in contention of games, especially when you're playing better opponents. That strategy seems to work a little bit better than when you play a team like Austria and, you know, you're more able to go forward because they're not as pressing and they're not as dangerous um, coming at you. Sometimes, you know, relying so heavily on that defense, you kind of lull yourself to sleep and you're not as dangerous going forward because you don't have that pressure coming at you. So, I think ultimately this game today at two, uh, three o'clock Eastern, two o'clock where I'm at, um, I think you're looking at your Euro final. Um, I don't think England as good as they look on paper. I don't think Southgate's the right guy for them. I think that, and I'm probably going to upset a lot of people. If we have any UK listeners, I'm sorry, but I don't think Harry Kane should be your number nine going forward. I don't think that he fits the style of play in which they want to emulate 
for that team that they currently have in every other position. It seems like they're trying to be young and creative and you still play a number nine that plays typical number nine play in the sense that he's still very much, I'm going to get in the box. I'm going to not play with my back. I'll play with my back to go a little bit and build up, but I'm mostly going to be on the run in the 18 looking for balls in or trying to be fed through. And I think that this English team plays too much is too reliant on balls out wide and getting their speedier, younger players in the mix, like Sterling, like Sancho, like Saka. So I don't think England, though they might be, Danny was saying, as the odds are out, if you are a gambling person, I would not recommend putting money on England. I think whoever takes Belgium, Italy today is going to be the winner. I don't think if Spain beats Switzerland, Switzerland, I don't think that's, I think you'll just get a second final in Spain versus whoever wins Belgium versus Italy today. I don't think that, you know, no disrespect to the other teams on the other side of the bracket. I'd love for some of them to prove me wrong because there's nothing greater than sports when somebody proves you wrong. Um, but I think that left side of the bracket with the Belgium, Italy, Spain, and Switzerland, I think you've got you're you're gonna see two finals being played in that side of the bracket before we reach next Sunday. So when I say rankings, we're talking about Euro Cup rankings. We can't leave out that FIFA world rankings have Belgium ahead of France. It's gonna be the game to watch. 3 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. your time, Keenan. Did you take Italy for that game? Yeah, I did. I did. Italy is going to win. I think it's gonna be a nail biter. I am curious, though, if they're going to be distracted. So much talk about whether Italy is going to take this kneel or not. Apparently, it's not necessarily in support of a Black Lives Matter campaign, but trying to do something out of solidarity. And there was some conflict of, is Belgium going to take the knee with their, their focus? Maybe on the, like, I hate to say the wrong things, but this is something that's just kind of transpiring. And I don't like to see a team distracted by new controversy with this that's the only thing that's scaring me with Italy where is your focus right now is it is the other team going to take a kneel with you or not or are you trying to play against a team and win in the soccer game and go forward in the cup so that's the only thing that really scares me it's going to be a nail biter in that game Spain's going to take it against Switzerland I would be shocked it, and, and you know what if Switzerland takes that game maybe they're just on a ride and they, they, they might just upset everyone at that point and then on the other side of the bracket it's going to be England against Ukraine, and then Denmark will take the checks. It, it's going to be an interesting thing. I, I, I could see in the championship game, if I had to take my best pick, it's going to be Italy. I'm going to say Italy and Denmark. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, man. Italy, Denmark would be a Euro final for the ages, which is why I'm also going to pick it. <laughs> I had to have a little fun, like you know. I, I, oh no, it, it's just the the thought of it is just too delicious to to back out of. So yeah, I think Italy is the team to beat on that side of the bracket right now. It, despite the fact that I think they're really gonna have to play with play with a chip on their shoulder in this upcoming game against Belgium, but I think they have the ability to overcome it much more than I think Spain does. So that's what that comes down to. I say they take that side of the bracket, and then on the other side, you know, the. The questions about England are are totally understandable. I do think it'll be a little bit easier for them considering, you know, as we keep mentioning, this is a weird Euros and they're going to end up having the semifinal and final in London at Wembley. So that'll help them, but I don't think it's enough to sustain them. So I think Denmark's going to end up beating them in the semifinal and then we have such an exciting final in Italy, Denmark, don't we? I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but I agree with Keenan when he said before about players not not the style of play so that's where I was concerned about but regarding changing players up for the game let's not forget that substitutes off of the bench scored for Italy 
are they going to start today? I want to see that. I want to see that their young players came off the bench and that's the reason they won and they woke up. So that's the only note I'll say to leave it off for, for the, uh, for the euros. Understand that's, that's enough Euro talk for now. So we don't have a ton of time left, but there is something we want to get to. We want to talk about the U S women's national team again, because they're, they are still in the national conversation yes. soccer. They played against Mexico last night. They won four nothing. And you know, Tobin Heath came into the game last night, Danny, and made a difference right away. I said last week, it's, you cannot be surprised that she was added to this roster coming off an injury. She is magic. I, I don't know how else to say it. It was, I would say, 30 seconds in. It's a one-two, Alex Morgan with the assist, and she shot from, I, honestly, a spot that I wouldn't have even predicted Tobin Heath to shoot from. It wasn't her typical goal, in my opinion, but it just goes to show the depth of this team and the fire that Tobin Heath plays with, you can't leave that out. She's phenomenal. Nothing short of spectacular to watch. I love seeing a player return from injury. She's been out since December. To go forward in that game, though, I'm not going to lie, it was boring to me. It was. I do have these high expectations for this U.S. team. It's almost unfair. And, and now the Olympic Committee is letting teams, which is so rare for them to do this, expand roster spots for soccer 22 I want to say it is I have to I would have to fact check that but it's within the 20s now so this is gonna sound insane but it's almost like don't let the U.S. do that really like you should have a handicap because I want to see women's sports and soccer be competitive and I'm not taking away that the U.S. national team has worked their right and way to be where they are but make it more competitive but that's just a joke they're obviously never going to do that and and just really quick you know just some final thoughts with that game is if I'm the coach, we're versing Mexico again. So same team on Monday, final send off before the Olympics. I want to see figuring out there's so many players that are starting players that any of the people that come off the bench from the USC, they could be the star on other international teams. I want to see the starters and substitutes exchange. I want to see if the substitutes that came on like Heath, and Lloyd, I want them to start the game. I want to see Rapino and Morgan off. I am so disappointed by Morgan. I don't, she, what does she do? It's nothing special. And, I, and again, she's everyone's favorite, but I really wonder at this point, is it for skill or other reasons? I don't know, but she is unimpressed me. She looks lethargic. She's looks like she's going for a header and it just, it's just lazy. And I, I don't like it. And I think the US team has changed their, way they're dynamic they're they are one of the most selfless teams i will say that but we have kristen press who is who's there's a fire lit within her she's been the woman of the match two to three times in a row now she scored two goals in the last game i want to see the, the starters and subs reversed interested to see who they'll take with this expanded roster it's who you know it's like i don't know reaching into a candy jar that's full anything's good so <laughs> I would like to see Ashlyn Harris. I, I, that's a goalkeeper. Take another one. Put her back on. Allie Krieger, put her on. Keenan? Yeah, well, I think Danny covered a lot of it. I think a 4 nothing win last night against Mexico once again proves that they're, the U.S. Women's National Team is, as we were talking last week about, you know, stylistic changes, they just don't concede goals that often. And I think, you know, going into the Olympics, it's tough to lose games where you don't concede. So I think with an expanded roster now too, um, you know, last week we had concerns about, oh, how involved with 18 are you expecting, um, you know, women coming off injuries 
um, Tobin Heath getting added, how big of a role does she need to play? And seemingly with, you know, an expanded roster, now it's they don't have to push the players as severely as they would with 18. And though, you know, 18 to 22, yeah, it's four players increase. And you might be thinking, okay, well, you know, your stars are still going to need a bigger role because even if you have four more players, you might just be adding four more players in depth. But to Danny's point, we see every woman on this team capable of playing at the highest level of women's soccer in the world, many of whom could and probably would be, you know, everyday starters on any other national program. So it's not like, you know, you're adding four extra players who aren't going to see the field. You're adding four women that are going, that can and should be involved in some capacity at this, uh, at this, at these Olympic games. So I think, you know, this Mexico game proves that, the depth still is true. And now that the Olympic committee has announced that four more women can be added to any national team program. I think that, you know, there's not going to be questions as to how little should someone rest or, you know, when will be the right time to substitute and how do you load manage to borrow a term from our friends over in the NBA? How do you loan manage in the Olympics? I think that it just, this team just keeps getting richer and richer. And if you had any doubts about anything going into these world cup, I think, you know, four more women on the on the roster really eliminate any worries that anyone might have. I understand that these are going to be great players, but it's almost like, okay, this is what we know we've been working with now for a little bit. This is what we decided upon. When you have so much talent sometimes, is it is it hard then to figure out a game plan? You know, because you, you can pick on anyone. For the coach, I feel like that just made it a little more complicated. They're all great players and they're all similar. And again, like, you know, don't fix what's not broken. You know, you can't lose. Don't get me wrong. You're bringing on, you know, great talent no matter what. But I feel like it's almost trickier when it comes to the U.S. because anybody can start. I, and I want to just say why I was disappointed when I watched that game. Mexico is ranked 28th. USA, they, they should not, it should almost be like a football game score, like American football. It, it's for nothing to me is not the USA showing up. I'm actually, I am nervous for them going into the Olympics because where is our tough competition? We haven't seen it. Are they going to rise to the occasion or are they going to find trouble when a goal is conceded on them? You know, will this defense stand up to top dogs? I don't know because we haven't seen it happen. So a disappointing four goal shutout victory for the U.S. Women's National Team. Not too many people you could say such things about. But with all that being said, we do have to wrap things up. Uh, this has been a great episode. Please make sure you're watching the Euros this week, watch Culpa this week, and we will come back just this time next week and talk all about it. For my partners, Keenan Troy and Danny Perry, my name's Dylan Balsamo. This has been FUVFC, as always, a production of WFUV Sports. We'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>